Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Mystic Show. And I'm your host, Chris Curran. And I'm here at Fractal Recording. And um, if you're listening live, it's uh, it's 7 a.m. on Wednesday, February 12th, 2014. And uh, I believe it's Lincoln's birthday, although I could be wrong. I, I meant to look that up. It's either Lincoln's or Washington's birthday, but... I mean, a lot of reverence to uh, both those guys, right? Um, yeah, so we do the show live every weekday morning at 7 a.m. on the Fractal Stream. And um, it also gets replayed later on the Fractal Stream. But... Um, all our episodes are archived as podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you go to uh, our website, which is themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net, uh, you'll see everything. Links to our social media and the podcast. And you'll also see our phone number and our Skype handle, so you can call us. Yes, I'm turning on the phone right now, and uh, I'm putting up the Skype volume. Yeah, so if you want to give us a call, if you have a question, uh, if you're listening live and you have a question, uh, give a call. Um, obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, that means it's just the you're listening to a replay of the original, so uh, you wouldn't call in because I probably won't be here <laughs> in the studio. Unless you happen to be listening to an old episode at the same time I'm doing a current episode, which would be pretty serendipitous. Um, so yeah, this is the show where we talk about spirituality, mindfulness, self-help. And really it's in my, well... By design, it's beyond religion. We're not really going to get into religion here too much. I mean, sometimes we mention it and, you know, it, it has a place. But um, but really, spirituality is inside of each of us. It's an inner journey. And uh, it's an inner achievement. And um, And that's one of the differences between spirituality and meditation. I mean, sorry, spirituality and religion is that uh, spirituality looks inside and um, religion looks outside. For the most part, obviously. You understand. So we have uh, some really... Wow, the reading we have today is... I mean, you thought yesterday's reading was good from our book, um, Your Invisible Power by Genevieve Berend. Uh, you, if that was really good, uh, if you didn't hear yesterday's, it was excellent in terms of uh, little hints and tips about visualization, and I would call them uh, advanced tips. I mean, th- this isn't—it's not just you know, oh, just sit down and close your eyes and think about what you want. It's way beyond that. Which is what we need. We need to learn. We need to study. We need to go deeper, right? How can we ever have a deeper understanding of things 
if we don't look deeper or study deeper. Does that make sense? So we have the reading from our book, and um, and I also have a couple other topics, and we also have an, another good reading from uh, 365 Dow book. But I think we should really get right to it. Let's get right to the reading today from um, Your Invisible Power by Genevieve B. Rend. And, uh, you know, this is the book we've been reading from. It's a great book about manifestation by using visualization. And um, as you'll hear in the reading today, uh, the author studied with Thomas Troward. um, And she quotes Troward, a, a, a portion of one of his books in this chapter today. And that's one of the things uh, we can talk about afterwards because it's pretty extraordinary. Um, you'll see, you'll see. So let's let's get right into it. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess around any longer. <laughs> All right. So this section is actually called "Why I Took Up the Study of Mental Science." Why I Took Up the Study of Mental Science from the book Your Invisible Power by Genevieve Berend. I have frequently been questioned about my reasons for taking up the study of mental science. And as to the results of my search, not only in knowledge of principles but also in the application of that knowledge to the development of my own life and experience. Such inquiries are justifiable because one who essays the role of a messenger and teacher of psychological truths can only be effective and convincing as he or she has tested them in the laboratory of mental experience. This is particularly true in my case as the only personal pupil of Thomas Troward, the greatest master of mental science of the present day, whose teaching is based upon the relation borne by the individual mind toward the universal creative mind, which is the giver of life, and the manner in which that relation may be invoked to secure expansion and fuller expression in the individual life. The initial impulse towards the study of mental science was an overwhelming sense of loneliness. In every life, there must come some such experiences of spiritual isolations as, at that period, pervaded my life. Notwithstanding the fact that each day found me in the midst of friends, surrounded by mirth and gaiety, there was a persistent feeling that I was alone in the world. I had been a widow for about three years, wandering from country to country, seeking for peace of mind. The circumstances and surroundings of my life were such that my friends looked upon me 
as an unusually fortunate young woman. Although they recognized that I had sustained a great loss loss when my husband died, they knew that he had left me well provided for, free to go anywhere at pleasure, and having many friends. Yet, if my friends could have penetrated my inmost emotions, they would have found a deep sense of emptiness and isolation. This feeling inspired a spirit of unrest that drove me on and on in fruitless search upon the outside for that which I later learned could only be obtained from within. I studied Christian science, but it gave me no solace, though fully realizing the great work the scientists were doing and even having the pleasure and privilege of meeting Mrs. Eddy personally. But it was impossible for me to accept the fundamental teachings of Christian science and make practical application of it. When about to abandon the search for contentment and resign myself to resume a life of apparent amusement, a friend invited me to visit the great seer and teacher, Abdul Baha. After my interview with the most wonderful of men, my search for contentment began to take a change. He had told me that I would travel the world over, seeking the truth, and when I had found it, would speak it out. The fulfillment of of the, of the statement of this great seer then seemed to be impossible. But it carried a measure of encouragement and at least indicated that my former seeking had been in the wrong direction. I began in a feeble and groping way to find contentment within myself. For had he not intimated that I should find the truth... That was the big thing, and about the only thing I remember of our interview. A few days later, upon visiting the office of a New Thought practitioner, my attention was attracted to a book on his table entitled The Edinburgh Lectures on Mental Science by Thomas Troward. It interested me to see that Troward was a retired divisional judge from the Punjab, India. I purchased the book, thinking I would read it through that evening. Many have endeavored to do the same thing, only to find, as I did, that the book must be studied in order to be understood. And hundreds have decided, just as I did, to give it their undivided attention. After finding this treasure book, I went to the country for a few days, and while there, studied the volume as thoroughly as I could. It seemed extremely difficult, and I decided to purchase another book of Troward's, in the hope 
that its study might not require so much of an effort. Upon inquiry, I was told that a subsequent volume, The Dory Lectures, was much the simpler and better of the two books. When I procured it, I found that it must also be studied. It took me weeks and months to get even a vague conception of the meaning of the first chapter of Dory, which is entitled, Entering into the Spirit of It. I mean by this that it took me months to enter into the spirit of what I was reading. But in the meantime, a paragraph from page 26 arrested my attention as seeming the greatest thing I had ever read. I memorized it and endeavored with all my soul to enter into the spirit of Troward's words. The paragraph reads, My mind is a center of divine operation. The divine operation is always for expansion and fuller expression, and this means the production of something beyond what has gone before, something entirely new, not included in the past experience, though proceeding out of it by an orderly sequence of growth. Therefore, since the divine cannot change its inherent nature, it must operate in the same manner with me. Consequently, in my own special world, of which I am the center, it will move forward to produce new conditions, always in advance of any that have gone before. It took an effort on my part to memorize this paragraph, but in the endeavor toward this end, the words seemed to carry with them a certain stimulus. Each repetition of the paragraph made it easier for me to enter into the spirit of it. The words expressed exactly what I had been seeking for. My one desire was for peace of mind. I found it comforting to believe that the divine operation in me could expand to fuller expression and produce more and more contentment. In fact, a peace of mind and a degree of contentment greater than I had ever known. The paragraph further inspired me, with deep interest, to feel that the life spark in me could bring into my life something entirely new. I did not wish to obliterate my past experience, but that was exactly what Troward said it would not do. The divine operation would not exclude my past experience, but proceeding out of them would bring some new thing that would transcend anything I had ever experienced before.
meditation on these statements brought with it a certain joyous feeling. What a wonderful thing it would be if I could accept and sincerely believe, beyond all doubt, that this one statement of Troward's was true. Surely the divine could not change its inherent nature. And since divine life is operating in me, I must be divinely inhabited. And the divine in me must operate just as it operates upon the universal plane. This meant that my whole world of circumstance, friends, and conditions would ultimately become a world of contentment and enjoyment of which I am the center. This would all happen just as soon as I was able to control my mind and thereby provide concrete center around which the divine energies could play. Surely it was worth trying for. If Troward had found this truth, why not I? The idea held me to my task. Later, I determined to study with the man who had realized and given to the world so great a statement. It had lifted me from my state of despondency. The immediate difficulty was the need for increased finances. And that's the end of that section there, so we will take a quick break. Thank you again to Anya for this musical piece called I Want Tomorrow. Um, thank you. And welcome back to The Mystic Show, where we have fun, I guess we have fun, talking about spirituality and uh, mindfulness and meditation, and self-help. And, um, yeah, so let's discuss what we just read. There was so much in here, um, and it was a very nicely narrated, uh, kind of like a mini story in this chapter about, about how she, first of all, how she came well, that's the title of the whole the whole section. Why I took up the study of mental science. And really, she says, um, 
The initial impulse toward the study of mental science was an overwhelming sense of loneliness. So, loneliness, right? And, right, even when she was surrounded by friends and, you know, happy people and, and, you know, and she was living a normal life pretty much, you know, socially, but yet she was lonely. I mean, have you ever felt like that? You know, you might be surrounded by people. You might be in a crowded room. But you just feel like you're alone. And I think there's something to that, right? I mean, spiritually speaking, we are alone. And at the same time, we're all together as one. So that that's like one of the paradoxes of spirituality, right? That's, <laughs> that's why we can't, it's hard to understand with our intellect. I've felt that way in my life. Um, and I think a lot of times I feel that way when, you know, um, unfortunate things happen or, or one of my plans doesn't work out properly. You know, you kind of feel like, you know, what's the use? You know, it's just me. I can't do it all by myself, right? So I think, I mean, that's what drove her to the to the search to study mental science. And it, in my own life, which I've conveyed on this show before, um, I came to the path the same way. I had, you know, tried different things and I had, I thought I was doing fine and nothing seemed to work. And I was sort of, you know, I was reading a lot of books, trying to find my way. And I didn't, I, I just hadn't found what I was looking for or what I needed or what I felt I needed. And that's when I, you know, um, uh, was fortunate enough to come across the meditation practice that I currently do. And the good thing about searching for searching for uh, your path or an answer or something is that when you usually when you find the right thing you really know that you found it you just feel like all right I found it this is home this is good and so that's encouraging so when you find the right thing you'll know it right and I should also say it in the past when you have found the right thing, you've known it. Because I think on some level, we've all found the right thing. Maybe not the ultimate thing, maybe a smaller thing. Even when you go to a, a bookstore, are there still any bookstores? <laughs> Physical bookstores? But when you go to a bookstore, and like me and my friend Dave used to do a lot, just to, you know, check out books and hang out and um you know we would go with no idea of what to do or what what we wanted or anything and you inevitably we would find a book each of us would find probably one book that really resonated it's like wow i it's amazing i found this book usually it's the first book that jumps out at you too when you walk down the aisle 
you're like, wow, that was easy. So loneliness brought her to the path and and the thing is, once she got to the path, I want I want to bring up this fact that she when she found Troward's book, the Edinburgh Lectures on Mental Science, she actually started studying it because she tried to read it like any book, and then she realized, oh, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to actually study this book. And uh, then she got another one of Troward's books, the Dory Lectures. She thought she could just, you know, read through that one quickly and get the answers, but no. She realized she had to study it. So she did. She studied the books. I mean, it's an interesting concept, studying the books. I mean, my spiritual guide mentions this all the time, that the books, the important books are not meant to be, you know, you're not supposed to speed read through it and then just throw it down and pick up a newspaper. Um, They have to be studied. You know, read a little bit. Think about it. Meditate on it. Maybe write down your interpretation of what you just read. And and maybe every chapter, maybe just make a little summary of every chapter. Um, you know, the ways you can study. And and then not, obviously not only read it once, but read it many times. And like she did with this paragraph, which I want to read again. I'm going to read this paragraph again. This is... This is heavy duty. It's tremendous. Um, But yeah, she memorized this paragraph. I mean, when's the last time you memorized anything? I think we had to memorize the, um, speaking of Lincoln, uh, the Gettysburg Address. I think we had to memorize that in, I forget what grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, or maybe eighth grade, I don't know. Um. Yeah, so I don't know. Memorization used to be a lot more prevalent in teaching in schools. And today, I don't know if it is. I mean, I'm not a teacher, but uh, either way, when, you know, the author found it uh, necessary to <laughs> to memorize this one paragraph written by Troward. Um, so I'll just go ahead and read this paragraph again right now. My mind is a center of divine operation. The divine operation is always for expansion and fuller expression. And this means the production of something beyond what has gone before. Something entirely new. Not included in the past experience. Though proceeding out of it by an orderly sequence of growth. Therefore, since the divine cannot change its inherent nature, it must operate in the same manner with me. Consequently, in my own special world, of which I am the center, it will move forward to produce new conditions, always in advance of any that have gone before. I mean, that is just... Nice. My mind is a center of divine operation. And first I want to say that um, that my spiritual guide 
when he describes God or divinity or the universe, whatever you want to, like, whatever word you want to use for that, he actually um, uses the word center. And the idea is that on our, during our spiritual growth, we move closer and closer to the center. And there's a lot more to it. There's, you know, there's a lot more to it. I obviously can't get into too much detail here. Uh, it would just take too long. And, you know, that, again, requires study and reading and rereading. Um, but this idea that your mind is a center of divine operation. And, you know, the way the divine operation works on a universal level, right, for the whole universe, it works the same way in you. Because you are part, you know, you follow, uh, or I should say, you exist the same way that the universe exists. It's like a system that we're all in, and that's the way it is in this system. It's the same for the whole universe. It's the same for you. It's the same for me kind of like the law of gravity on earth, right? Everyone everyone is subject to the law of gravity. No one is uh, exempt. Well, the same way here, you know? The the way your life works is, um, I'm, and I'm going to just read it here, um, in your own special world, which you are the center, it, the divine operation will move forward to produce new conditions, always in advance of any that have gone before. And this is, I mean, we know life works like this. Nothing stays the same. It always keeps changing. Your life keeps morphing, right, into new things. You know, on the short term, meaning from, you know, moment to moment, your heart is beating. That's a change. Your cells are moving. You're digesting food. But even on the long term, let's say you have a 20-year career in your job, which I don't know how how common that is anymore. But let's say, okay, let's say you, you're a runner. Your hobby, one of your hobbies is running. I mean, if you run from the time you're 15 till you're 35, that's a journey. That's I mean, your running experience is not the same. And you're going to go through a whole journey of improving, maybe getting hurt sometimes, maybe taking time off. The universe is always morphing us into the next thing. And I think one of the, obviously, the important point she's she's getting to is that, and we talked about it yesterday, that the universe is changing and morphing us into newer, you know, um, expansion and fuller expression and our mind our own mind your mind is like the lens that helps create that so we can almost we're we're like co-creators of our future because we can take that unlimited potential that's moving through us and changing us and we can kind of guide that change we can affect that change And there's so many, I mean, we know this is true. There's so many examples. I mean, just even think of your health. People who have 
bad thoughts and, and are, you know, people can make themselves sick. It's been proven. People can make themselves better physically. It's been proven. You have the whole placebo effect. And that's on the physical level. On the professional level, we know people who write down their goals and write down how much money they want to earn and they work towards it without giving up. They usually make it. So it's, I don't know, it's a pretty simple, you know, it's pretty simple formula. Um, And I guess it's our mind that if it's not uh, grounded, it kind of messes with us, right? We always think something more complex is better. So when, when a spiritual truth is put before you and it's so simple, we do appreciate it on some level, but we don't think we could, you know, implement it in our lives or, you know, it, well, it can't really be that simple. That's what we think in our minds, right? So another, uh, at the end here, she says something that I find very telling as well, because we're always talking about how, um, or a lot of people always talk about how meditation is very important on a spiritual pursuit. And she says, um, okay, I'll just read this real quick. This won't take long. Surely the divine could not change its inherent nature. And since divine life is operating in me, I must be divinely inhabited. And the divine in me must operate just as it operates upon the universal plane. This meant that my world, my whole world of circumstances, friends, and conditions would ultimately become a world of contentment and enjoyment of which I am the center. And then here's the line I wanted to actually get to. This would all happen just as soon as I was able to control my mind and thereby provide concrete center around which the divine energies could play. So all this talk about visualization and, and, you know, the universal divine power and the potential and that our mind is like a lens, that's all true. But here, here she says it, you know, this would all happen just as soon as I'm able to control my mind and thereby provide concrete center around which the divine energies could play. So in a normal modern day human state, the mind is not uh, controlled enough. It's not centered enough. Most people's minds are really going haywire. And if we really, if, if we try to use these visualization concepts when our mind is running haywire, it won't really work so well. It'll work a little, but not very well. But if we really, you know, use meditation as a tool to regulate our mind and really, uh, you know, improve ourselves mentally, you know, hone our mental process, if you will, right? Regulate it. Um, then we're in control of our mind enough where it becomes more powerful. And the best, one of the best analogies for that is the sunlight. Like this is an analogy for how when the more you meditate and regulate your mind, the more powerful it is. So if you walk out into the sunlight, like right now, it's actually sunny outside and uh, 
sun's coming through the windows here in the studio and but it was cold it was like again seven degrees this morning jeez um but if you walk out into the sun and the sun hits your skin okay nothing happens right but if you take a magnifying glass and hold it above your hand you could literally burn a hole in your skin right so it's the same power, right? It's the same sunlight. But what happened? It was channeled. It was focused. It was regulated. So when our minds are not regulated, we fritter away our, our mental power in, you know, 97,000 different directions. It's like we're giving our power in so many directions that it's it's just gone. But when we really focus that, our mind can be very powerful. And then when you use it for visualization to achieve your goals, then it really works. So me- again, comes meditation is a very important building block of, of our spiritual path. So this was a great chapter. I mean, man, this is, I'm really enjoying this book. Um, I don't know, the first handful of chapters it kind of moved slow i think she was like introducing different things but but now it's uh really getting into the meat and potatoes it's it's really nice so uh we'll just take a quick break here on the mystic show we'll be right back That's Sinead O'Connor. That's I had to fade that out quick. That's a song called "In This Heart" uh, by Sinead O'Connor. Very good one. Thank you for uh, providing that for our little interlude. Uh, welcome back to the Mystic Show. Um, it's Wednesday morning. You know the the nickname for Wednesdays. <laughs> if you don't, well. Actually there's a TV commercial now with a with the um with a camel in it with two humps and he's walking around saying, "You know what day it is? You know what day it is because Wednesday is known as hump day, right? Cuz it's the hump in the middle of the week and once you're over the hump then <laughs> then what? Then you're closer to the weekend, <laughs> I guess. Right? Isn't it weird how we I don't know. I always remember Tony Robbins saying, uh, you know, it's all about your state, the state of mind you're in, state of mind and body. 
And um, he said at one point, because he said he can control his state well enough that that his Mondays are better than most people's Christmases because he just keeps himself in a in a great state. All right, so um, I just want to mention real quick, um, our website is themysticshow.net, and, but I also want to mention Pause Your Life, because um, we're, we're having another meetup, and we're having a spring retreat, so if you go to uh, pauseyourlife.org, pauseyourlife.org, um, there's so many things there. You can sign up for the daily email, the, the daily pause the inspirational quote, and um, you could check out the retreat. It's going to be the beginning of May, and our next meetup, which is going to be March 7th, which I think we're already fully booked up, and we have people on the wait list already. So um, we're going to have to (laughs) figure out how to handle this uh, because uh, people are just really loving the Pause Your Life experience. And, um, and everyone, and again, it's about the people. It's not about the organization or the name or anything. It's about the people. When you get people in a room who have, are genuinely ready to just put down all their baggage, at least for the evening, and just be a human being, and just talk about some simple spiritual topics, man, it's a beautiful thing. So pauseyourlife.org. And I wanted to bring up now the uh, serenity prayer. Have you ever? I'm sure you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. Um, maybe you don't know it by name. Uh, I think it's called the serenity prayer, and I think it's used in Alcoholics Anonymous regularly as part of their. I, I don't know their program, but whatever their program is. Um, but it's a very um, it, it's an interesting prayer and it came to me yesterday um, because again I, I went through a few experiences yesterday where I kind of you know scratched my head and thought you know what's going on <laughs> um, you know you get to that point of the day or, or of an experience when it, it's almost confusing you just don't you know it's weird what's happening and you don't know exactly how to take it and it's a little disappointing at the same time and you start thinking well what is you know if you're aware and in the moment you can actually start thinking like well what what's going on here what's the message for me here right what's the bigger picture here um and the serenity prayer is something that you know i don't say it regularly i don't remember it regularly at all but um I don't know. I just remembered it yesterday. So um, I'll say the serenity prayer, and I, I'm pretty sure I, I know it word for word. So here it is. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So that's the serenity prayer. Um, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Ah, see, I messed it up. The courage to change the things I can. 
and the wisdom to know the difference. So I actually, see, I don't have it written down. I left out the word courage. So, right, the first one is acceptance. We have to accept the things we cannot change. And man, is that hard. (laughs) Right? And you you know why it's hard? One of the reasons why it's hard is because literally everything in the human physical life, uh, you cannot change. You know, uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Well, you can't change anything, really. In, in fact, the only things you can really change are your own is your own mind. Really, what else can you change? I mean, okay, you can uh, you can rip up a piece of paper. You can change a piece of paper. Um, you know, little tiny things, mundane things, you can change, but you can't change another person. Um, you can't change the government by yourself and you can't, you can't automatically convince other people to help you change the government because you can't change other people. So in reality, we really, now sometimes we do change things, but it's not guaranteed and it's actually rare. So spiritually speaking, we can't change anything anyone else um because everything is on its own journey and well spirituality would say you know who who are you to change it anyway <laughs> what you know because that's your ego <laughs> but acceptance right is a, is a tough thing and but that's what we have to do you know in the end when things happen and they you might be disappointed you might you might think what the heck is going on or wow this is really not right this shouldn't be like this um, in the end, you know what? You just got to accept it. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't take action. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try to do something good or something. Um, but the acceptance is, is a big part of it. I feel like we could do a whole show on acceptance. Um, so the second line is, uh, the courage to change the things I can. And um, again, the main thing you can change is your mind and, you know, your character and your attitude. Uh, attitude, yes. Character, yes, too. A little more difficult, but but we have to have the courage to change what we can. So it's it's not easy, you know, it's... You know, a lot of the spiritual masters, they say they want, uh, for, for disciples, they want lions, not sheep. You know, spiritual lions with courage, with heart. And, you know, we're not all, uh, we don't all have that habit, do we? A lot of times we wimp out. Or we just don't know. We just don't think of you know, hey, we can have courage and we can do this. We just don't know. But in the end, we have to have courage. We have to be courageous to step out there and do what we have to do. And maybe that's starting a meditation practice. You know, that takes courage. Maybe committing yourself to, uh, I don't know, going to the gym every day. I don't know. 
takes courage. Because we know a lot of times we make commitments, we don't follow through. So then the next time you think, well, I don't know. But hey, try it again. Go for it again. You know, show some courage. And the last part of the serenity prayer is uh, the wisdom to know the difference. And and in my, I, I think what that means is the wisdom to know the difference between what you can change and what you cannot change. And it differs for every circumstance, every person, everything. Um, and I, I just find it very helpful to reflect on that. And again, I don't do it very often, but in times of of disappointment or or uncertainty um it it can help to reflect on that those thoughts if it's something you cannot change then how can you accept it maybe you should try and if it is something you can change maybe you need to bolster your courage and and go ahead and change it it's an interesting concept, don't you think? It's a beautiful prayer. I I, I don't know the history of that prayer. Um, anyhow, the serenity prayer. Love that one. And um, we have to read, from, uh, read the passage from 365 Tao, but we'll do that right when we come back. Yes, thank you to the Indigo Girls for uh, Welcome Me. It's funny, I was just picturing all of you listening at home, you know, sitting at the computer, maybe drinking some tea or some coffee or, you know, maybe eating some oatmeal or something, maybe with a big blanket, listening to the Mystic Shell, maybe taking some notes right? Have you ever tried that? If you think anything's noteworthy or if you have a question, you can you can write it in your diary. So, and then, you know, you can always comment on the post once the show is up or you can uh or you can call or Skype too. Um all that information is on our website, themysticshow.net. And I want to get to reading this passage um 
before we have to sign off for the day and uh, send you on your way to a delightful spiritual day. Um, This is titled Perseverance, and it's from the book 365 Dao, Daily Meditations by Deng Ming Dao. And this is actually the passage for today, February 12th. And uh, it's very interesting, so I'm just going to go ahead and read it. It's called Perseverance. Invisible Lines The fisherman repairs his net, and the fish are nearly caught. If a fisherman does not have a properly repaired net, then his trip is useless. Preparation is the major part of his endeavor. Only when the fisherman keeps his nets intact, keeps his boat repaired, and studies the conditions of fish and water, does going out to fish become a mere formality. Then fish fall into his hands as if guided by invisible lines. When it seems as if nothing encouraging is happening to us, it is important to remember such perseverance. Work may be drudgery. Maintaining a home may be routine. And we may find our goals quite distant. But we must persevere and prepare nevertheless. That will bring a steady pace towards our goals and buoy our faith in rough and threatening times. To taste the fruit of perseverance requires maturity and experience. We need to cultivate patience, planning, and timing. We build our resources even when circumstances seem to be against us. We don't neglect anything we have set in motion. If we nurse our plans through good times and bad, our plans will eventually succeed with the inevitability of fish caught in a net. And that's the section called perseverance. Uh, and it, right, it pretty well goes along with the last segment we talked about the serenity prayer, right? They're both uh, helpful in getting through the day, getting through the experience, handling the situation, um, reacting properly or or not reacting at all. Right? Because he says it's all about preparation. Um, everything we're doing in our lives is really preparation for something bigger and better. Um, we And again, we don't always see it that way. But, you know, he talks about the fisherman. If the fisherman, if his net is torn, and it, it you know, he can do everything else right, but when he goes out to fish, the fish are just going to slip right through the net. 
So everything has to come together, and that takes preparation. And the preparation, like he also says, takes patience, planning, and timing. So, I mean, personally, I feel this a lot with life, that I don't, life just moves too slow sometimes for me. Um, you know, like it says, work may be drudgery, maintaining a home may be routine, and we may find our goals quite distant, but we must persevere and prepare nevertheless. And that's putting in the work, that's having patience and staying the course, and um, and really that's what successful people do. People successful in worldly terms, and also people who are successful in spiritual terms. They just stick with it, right? Perseverance. So, I guess uh, that brings us to an end here for this episode, and something is still wrong with my throat, but I'll live. And um, so as you move through your day today, Maybe keep some of these concepts in mind. Maybe talk to someone about some of these concepts. Ask them what they think about perseverance. Or ask them if they know the serenity prayer and what it means to them. I mean, you don't have to talk to anyone else, but sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. (laughs) Sometimes you shouldn't talk to certain people about these things. Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed the show, and as always, keep shining.